0: Last two times I've talked, I've talked about Israel and um, just because it's in the news and lots of things being said and just helping to get some definitions clear. If you've missed out on those, those messages are on our YouTube channel. One of the things that's been going around is this thought that the end of the world must be just about to happen. (laughs) And um, you know, oh, look what's happening in Israel. Jesus must be about to return. (laughs) If I give you a dollar for every time I've heard someone say that, I would be a wealthy guy. When I was standing outside block C in Emmaus, about to go into a music lesson in 1991 and our music teacher had not arrived, several very concerned Emmaus students were thinking that the world was going to end tomorrow, which was the next day. Because someone on the news had been saying that the world was going to end, they had some biblical theory about it, and they were all discussing, were we gonna have another day in life or not? And I told them, in my smart 14 year old brain, that Jesus is definitely not coming tomorrow because no one knows the day or the hour. So if someone says it's tomorrow, it's not it. Hey, turned out I was right. (laughs) That was 30 years ago. My dad was saved in 1967 on the eve of the Six Day War. And everyone in the church that he attended at the time told him Jesus will be back in five years, 10 at the most. He was told he wouldn't have time to have kids. And here I am, mum and dad have like 20 grandkids and a great grandkid. That was more than 50 years ago. When I was a pastor in Mount Morgan, There was a couple in the town there who had been in ministry and knew their Bible really well, and they were on the verge of retirement. And I said to them, are you getting ready for retirement? Oh, no. Look what's happening in Israel. That's what they said. This is like 12 years ago. We don't have time for retirement. Jesus will be back within one to two years. Let's not worry about retirement. Well, they are well and truly retired now. Um... In fact, if you go and look up Wikipedia, Predictions of the End of the World, it's an interesting web page which is long. I was thinking, if I had an hour, I would I could start reading down the page. Let's start with the first century, the second century, the third century. And you know what? Nearly everyone thinks Jesus is coming back in their life. They've all been wrong. Every single one, and I tell you what, the people who are saying it right now, they're wrong too. I'm gonna give you three scriptures this morning uh, just for you to think about, and then I'm gonna make two very clear points. This is a short message, but there's a a reason for it all. It's because don't get caught up in all the hype. Serve the Lord, that's the point of it. If you get caught up in the hype, you're less likely to think about serving the Lord. No, we have to serve the Lord. There's a world that needs to be saved, Bibles that need to be handed out, <laughs> prayers that need to be prayed. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. We need to be busy doing it, not focusing all our time and attention on, um, you know, Jesus coming back any minute, sit around, and do nothing type of thing. First Scripture, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. The Apostle Peter said this Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If the Lord came back right now, my next door neighbour would go to hell. The man that I've been praying for for years and witnessing to, and I am that close to getting saved, go to hell. And so would about five billion other people. The Lord cares about all these people. He's not coming back right now. Peter tells us he's patient because he doesn't want people to perish. Jesus isn't coming to the cross because he loves the whole world to then come back right then and doom billions and billions of people. That's not his style. He cares a great deal for people. So if you're wondering why he has all these people have been wrong, it's because God cares a lot. In Ephesians chapter 4. Scripture number 2, verse 11 to 16. This doesn't sound like it's talking about the end of the world, but there's a really clear point in here. Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, does its work. What an amazing scripture. It says that God gave apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And in verse 13, it says, until. If you go back a few verses, which we're not putting up on the screen today, it says that it was when he ascended, he gave these gifts. Some people said, oh, God only appointed apostles when he was on the earth, you know, 12 apostles, and that was it. No, no, this verse says when he ascended. This is something he's doing from heaven, not doing on the earth. And in heaven, he's appointing church leadership. You know, teachers, pastors, priests, fathers, chaplains, but of course, apostles, prophets. He's appointing all these people to work until. Until when? Until the body of Christ becomes mature and measures up to the fullness of the stature of God himself. So I guess he's not coming back yet because we haven't matured yet. We haven't quite measured up to God's perfect standards. In other words, we've got some growing to do and preachers have got some preaching to do and chaplains have got some chaplaincy to do and well, there's more time. That's what it means. He's not coming back yet because more stuff has to happen. More people have got to pray prayers. More people have got to get saved. More people have got to find faith. More Bibles have to be read. The work of God has to happen. That's scripture number two. But here's my favorite for the morning. Scripture number three, Matthew 24. You know, they say what's going on in Israel is a sign of the times. Well, here's a sign of the times, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 to 44. By the way, everything in Matthew chapter 24 up to verse 36 is all about Jerusalem being destroyed, and from verse 36 on is all about when Jesus will return. Read it in Greek, and you'll see that he changes subject. Read it in English, and you'll get completely confused. All right, but read it in Greek. At verse 36, he changes subject, and he really is talking about when he's going to return, but everything before that he's talking about Jerusalem. And he even says in verse 35, all of this, all the stuff that he said before that will happen before this generation passes away. So all the people he was talking to, that generation of people, Jerusalem was destroyed and all that stuff happened before that generation passed away. But then in verse 36, he, mo- 36, he moves on to talk about his return. Now here's a sign of the times. What will the one big obvious sign be of Jesus's return? It's in the scripture. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. For some reason, when Jesus came to earth, he knew a lot of things. But he did not know this. I know sometimes when there's a surprise birthday event on, people don't tell me in case I slip and spill the beans. Has anyone ever slipped and spilt the beans? I don't think Jesus was going to slip and spill any beans. He's too perfect for that. But for some reason, even Jesus, while he was on earth, did not know. There was no danger that any human being would ever know. Not even the Son, only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man... What was the day of Noah like? Complete surprise, complete shock. It was such a complete shock because people never even had any idea, any inkling there would even be a flood. It wasn't a case like everyone's running around saying, I wonder when the flood's gonna happen, I wonder when the flood's gonna happen. They didn't even know a flood was going to happen. Complete, Completely different paradigm, not in their thoughts at all. That is what the coming of the Lord will be like. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, normal life going on, people don't have a clue. Jesus is about to return. two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill; one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. That's a technical definition, keep watch. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and not let his house be broken to you. So you must be ready because the son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And so all the people who are setting dates, they're saying, well, we don't know the specific hour, but we can work out the day or we can work out the year. No, it's going to happen at a time when he is not expected. So that is the sign of the times. I don't know when that's going to be, but I figure in my, I don't know, you know, whether it's going to be a long, long time or in a little bit long, I don't know, but I figure it'll be at a time when everyone stopped trying to figure it out. And it's kind of like, when everyone stopped trying to figure out when Jesus is coming, surprise, something like that. I don't know. But the point was, if you knew when someone was going to break into your house, you'd be ready. But when people, when your house is broken into, it's because you weren't expecting it. If someone lays awake every night thinking, I wonder if my house is going to get broken into, well, you know, you'll probably catch them in the act. But houses get broken into when you're not expecting it. Jesus is going to (laughs) come when no one's thinking about it. So he says, be ready. Well, how do you be ready for something when you're not going to be ready for it? It's really easy. You make sure your life is right with God. And then it doesn't matter when he returns. It means two things, actually. It means that you must be right with God. That's being ready to meet the Lord. Because the Lord may return just for you. In fact, in the whole history of Christianity, that's all that's ever happened. One day he'll return and and people will be gathered up as a group. But more than likely, you're going to meet the Lord. He'll return for you. And you need to be ready for that. But in the book of Revelation, in chapter 19, verse 6 to 8, there's this great moment in heaven called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And... uh, I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us, this is in heaven one day, let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. And that amazing thought, the bride has made herself ready. Something about the work of the Lord in the world, the work of the ministers in perfecting the church so that we, become, we measure up to the full. That's that Ephesians passage. We grow in grace. We love one another. We're busy with, with the work of the gospel. We mature and we grow and the bride becomes ready and then the Lord returns and takes us for a marriage. Isn't that fabulous? So there's kind of like multiple aspects to this being ready thing. But part of it is, what's the Lord doing? Let's be a part of it. That's a part of being ready. Doing what the Lord says. There are other parables like, you know, when he returns, will he find his workers, you know, feeding, feeding people the word of God. Go and read some of the parables. There's quite a lot of parables where the master is gone a long time. And while he's gone a long time, people relax and they become complacent. And all of the times Jesus tells the message in all those parables is about complacency because people have stopped expecting the return of the master and they've relaxed. So being ready is actually about not being complacent, but working hard for the gospel. I want to finish with these thoughts. The Lord will return sometime, one day but it is not the Lord's intention that we know when. If it was the Lord's intention, he would have told us. But he he actually deliberately told us that we will not know. So the Lord intends for us to not know. There's a reason for it, and we're not completely sure what the reason for it is, but I suspect it's because we're not supposed to be focused on that. We're supposed to be focused on serving him here and now. But it is the Lord's intention that we do certain things for him. We are to be serious about the work of the gospel because he wishes that none will perish. (laughs) That's actually what he cares about. So it's his intention that we focus on the gospel. We're to work towards the maturing of the body of Christ, towards seeing God's people love one another, serve one another, and become what we're supposed to be. That's something the Lord intends for us to do. We're to love one another as Christians, and we're to be found like that. And for you as an individual, it means you need to be right with God. So if the Lord returns for you, you'll be ready to meet him. How long will the Lord take to return? I don't know, but I can tell you this, that scientists and physicists have calculated that the Andromeda galaxy is slowly moving towards us. And in about two billion years from now, our two galaxies will tear each other apart. So sometime before two billion years, the Lord will return. (laughs) That's about as accurate as I can get. (laughs) But other than that, I have no clue. And you know what? If you had asked the early Christians, was Jesus going to take 2,000 years, that would have been an an inconceivable thought to them. And if I was to say to you it'll be another 2,000 years, that would be an inconceivable thought right now. But how do we know we're right or wrong about any of it? We don't. All I know is that the Lord it doesn't intend for us to know, but he does intend for us to serve him. So if you're a young person listening to me today, don't panic that the world is doomed and you're not going to live old enough to have kids or any of that stuff. No, have kids. Grow up, believe to find the right person and marry them. Have children, raise them to follow the Lord plan to serve the Lord your whole entire lives. Hey, if the Lord turns up in in the moment and interrupts you and you whisk whisked off to heaven, bonus. But it was um, St. Paul who said, you know, to die is Christ. What did he say? "To, To die is gain, but to live is Christ. That, that is our Christian attitude. If the Lord returns, that's our bonus. But other than that, we're just going to live a life and plan to live a whole life and serve him. And that means hopefully we'll get to give to Gideon's many more times and give to a lot of other stuff many more times. And I'm going to bring my neighbor to the Lord. My neighbor is elderly. And he's on dialysis. And he's, he's you know, he, he won't live long unless there's some kind of a I said to him this week, I said, you promise me, I went to visit him in hospital, I said, you promise me you will not give up on life without letting me talk to you and get your life right with God. And he said, okay, I promise. So, well, that's not getting saved yet, but that's almost getting saved. Because he's realized, he's not, life's not right with God, and he, but he, for some reason he's holding out like everyone does, they all hold out on God. But tell you what, he'll get to that point where he will realizes he can't hold out anymore. And I'm going to bring him to the Lord. So I'm looking forward to that. Heavenly Father, you're so wonderful. I thank you that we have been given the words of life. Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Lord, I thank you that you work in the world. You work in us. And you work in nations. And Lord, whatever chaos there is in the world right now, it is a sign of something. It's a sign that they need Jesus and they need the gospel. And we pray that the nations would hear the word of the Lord. Father, I ask that you would equip every missionary that's in the Middle East right now in the middle of that war. Lord, give them words to say to people who need to hear it. Lord, I pray right now here in this room, people who are called by the name of Christ, Christians, Lord, may they be empowered to serve the Lord and may their word bring people to Christ. Father, I pray that you would now help us to, to Lord, your intention that we serve you, help us to take the intentions and the purposes of the Lord seriously. Just like everyone now to just take a moment and surrender your heart afresh to the Lord. I'll invite the band to come. Say to the Lord, you know, in the book of Isaiah, uh, the Lord was looking for someone that would that would speak for Him, and Isaiah felt like he wasn't good enough for that job. This is Isaiah chapter six. But the Lord, but in the end, he said to the Lord, "Here I am, use me." I would like you this morning to say to the Lord, "You're not you're not good enough for the job." That's not the question. But I want you to say to the Lord, here I am, use me. Do that right now. Take a minute right where you're seated. And now, Lord, I ask that you would receive the prayer of each person who prayed that and you would, Lord, take their willingness, and Lord, I pray you would now cause events in their lives, Lord, like a gear that changes, or something that shifts into momentum, or something that would happen in their lives, where they would know that you are now at work using them. So Lord, bring people into their life that they can speak to. Lord, let them be aware as they go about their day-to-day lives of things they can pray about Lord, give them opportunities to give and serve and love. I pray here in this room and with all those listening online, we would have an army of people to serve Christ. Amen. God bless you.